Welcome back to the Better With Banter podcast, guys. It's another episode of the Banter Ranter isolation series here on the podcast. Almost uh, 30 seconds into it. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff today. Thank you guys for uh, being there. Your love and support has made all the difference in the world over the last week. Um, a bunch of you have been pushing it out there. Just want to let you guys know that even though it is a one-man team here, a, a one-man show, as far as production and, and, and issues and troubleshooting all the crap that China has thrown my way, because they want to make sure that I go down and that this podcast cannot tell you the truth of what they're up to. In any case, as I said, I got rid of the Huawei router and everything else that's in the room that is even remotely Chinese. Everything's Korean now. The right kind of Korean. In any case, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the fact that you guys have been helping out. Thank you so much with uh, your feedback, your reviews, uh, your little notes, maybe even some tips and tricks helping me out on some stuff. So uh, thank you for that. And... Um, being part of the content, engaging. It is a special episode today. We're going to be talking about conspiracies. And that's why little, uh, uh, my friend here, little alien, my xenomorph, Kenneth, is wearing the conspiracy sleuth hat. He's going to be helping us dissect all the conspiracies in the world today. And that is why I'm going to have a special episode where you guys get to engage alongside me as we go through all the different conspiracies. There we go. You see that little trick right there? Let's get it a little... Illuminati symbol makes all the difference in the world guys production value right so as I said uh, big shout out to all you guys uh, stay with us on the chat don't forget push this out to friends uh, family whoever you think would be interested in this kind of a show this kind of a format this kind of a podcast we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff today from conspiracies that we're going to go through the list on uh, we're going to be talking about the major topics also for Corona Chan and what's happening out there uh, I'm going to be trying to cover as many things that I'm going to try to debunk as well about coronavirus. Uh, some of the current news that's happening in North Korea and maybe the fallout of what could be possibly, possibly the closest thing to a hot war as far as um, movement in uh, uh, Southeast, Southeast Asian Sea, the China Sea, China. We're going to be talking about that maybe a little bit. I'm focusing mostly on North Korea. But uh, mostly today, it is the conspiracy-based podcast, so we're going to be talking also about why we as Middle Easterners are so inclined, so obsessed, some would say, with conspiracy theories and uh, whether or not we have uh, some justification for it. I say we do, at least in the past. I'm not saying I don't love conspiracy theories in, in a recreational sense. I'm not conspiratorially minded in, in the way that I think about the world. I feel like the world is actually a lot more complex then we, uh, we, we kind of want to give it credit for. And a lot of conspiracy theories are sometimes complex to the point of stupidity instead of simple yet masterful. And, and that's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover some conspiracy theories that are actually simple and yet very advanced in, in the way that they've been uh, uh, projected out there. So good examples would be Operation Northwoods, um, the Tonkin incident, that which led the U.S. into uh, Vietnam. Uh, there's been a bunch of them for us in the Middle East that we, ooh, I'm not going to cover in detail because people are sick and tired of them, and I'm not honestly an expert on them, so I'm not going to be uh, covering, let's say, the Iranian revolution, although we do know that the U.S. was involved in that, which is an, a conspiracy in itself. Uh, Mossad and Israel in the Suez Canal and their plot to uh, spark a confrontation. Another one that is an important one for the Middle East, and of course, uh, the uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of conspiratorial thinking that goes all the way back to the medieval times and uh, why that matters for us as Arabs. And we're going to try to dissect it, and I'm going to be honest about it. I, I feel like 
in a lot of ways, our conspiracy theories today are just really, really lazy. They're really shoddy. They haven't improved. Like in one last episode, we talked about uh, the, the Coca-Cola one. Uh, the, the one that we've been hearing since we were kids. That if you flip the Coca-Cola symbol, it says, uh, La Muhammad, La Mecca, which means no Muhammad, no Mecca. Which is stupid, because it doesn't actually say that. You have to go through a little bit of effort to connect the letters so it can look like that. And then second of all, if you can see that and you're not using a mirror, you're probably drunk and you were using that Coke as a mixer, which you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Just saying. The uh, real reason though why that doesn't make any sense was because the Coke symbol or the brand itself, uh, I think it was, um, it was in 1886 that was uh, branded. I think they came up with that logo in 1886, if I'm not mistaken. But it's it's in the 1800s. I'm sure about that. And it was in Atlanta, Atlanta in the U.S. And uh, I'll, I'll try to get my facts straight, but I'm, I'm pretty accurate about that one. Somebody fact checked me if I'm wrong. But it has been a symbol since then, and that's when the U.S. was isolationist. So they didn't really give a shit about the rest of the world. Like not even in World War One did they give a shit about the rest of the world. They kind of did. But they kind of were like, yeah, we're going to help, but not really. And then we're going to help here. And, and oh, it's already done. Okay, too bad. But it wasn't until World War II that the U.S. actually started getting involved in uh, global affairs. So I don't know why they would give a shit in Atlanta at the time in 1886 about Muslims. Most Americans probably never heard of Muslims at that time. So it doesn't make any sense. But uh, we're going to talk about conspiracies like that and how they're lazy, stupid, and don't even compare to some of the ones that happened, uh, like legitimate political conspiracies that are simple to the point. You know, either the Iran-Contra deal, right? You sell weapons to Iran, you take the money, you help fund the Contras in Guatemala, and uh, that exchange kind of uh, makes sense. It's simple. It's not about, you know, falcons and lizards and other kinds of conspiracy theories involving animals with Israel. Yes, that's actually a genre of conspiracy theories in the Middle East that we're very happy with. I've covered that one, uh, I think, on one of our comedy shows. So let me give you an idea of what you can expect. <laughs> At least on the list of conspiracy theories, everybody knows kind of these black chem helicopters, chemtrails, Korean Airlines Flight 007, Malaysia Airlines Flight MH370, Malaysia Airlines Flight MH17. Both those flights have heavy conspiracy theories towards them. Uh, Deepwater Horizon, New Coke. There's a New Coke conspiracy, by the way, back from, what was it, in the 80s? Is that when New Coke came out? I can't remember. Something to do with them intentionally messing up Coke so, you know, it would never taste the same again, I guess. Denver Airport is a big one with, like, all the hidden symbols of penises in the airport that is meant to apparently disrupt your um, Christian ethics. So there's all these hidden signs of dicks and how the airport itself is shaped like a dick and that there are people that literally go to Denver Airport just to spot the hidden dicks everywhere. Because, you know, there's a whole department of... Uh, <laughs> Conspir conspiratorial conspiratorial graphic design at the NSA or the CIA or whatever shadowy organization is responsible for this. And their whole job as graphic designers is just to design hidden dicks in dollar bill signs, in the $20 bill, and a lot of different things. Now, I'm making fun because there are definitely some stupid ones out there, but that does not take away from the, the point, which is there's a lot of conspiracy theories that have sense. They make sense. And uh, some, a lot of them are real, at least the ones that are, uh, you know, Im involve some global affair or another. It's a military operation, some false flag operation like Operation Northwoods. So those are real. 
But the question is, how do we deal with people that are conspiratorially minded in the Middle East? Because I don't believe that it's... Okay, I'm making fun right now, right? I laugh at them. But I don't believe that that's the solution. Because honestly, if you believe in conspiracy theories to that extent and you go through some crazy stuff, you're probably a thinker. You're probably somebody that is looking for truth. You're somebody that wants to know more about the world. And you feel like the world is a lot more connected than what you know global media or mainstream media leads you to believe. That you don't believe the simple narrative. You think that life is a lot more complicated than what they told you when you were a kid. And that's why you look for these, these let's call them goblins or gremlins, uh, these little things that kind of make the world make a lot more sense, I guess. Because you're, you're thinking about it the whole time. Like, what, what could possibly be causing the world to be this shitty? And the Middle East has a lot of problems in it. So it's just easier to think about, you know, what could be the hidden shadowy figures that are causing these troubles. And I believe that there's usually some truth to it. So when you're dealing with somebody that is deep into the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, remember that. That usually, even if 90% of what they're saying is based off of some other person's fantasy on YouTube, then 5% of it is truth. At least, I'll say 5%. Maybe less. But if it's not even that case, then remember that these people come from a background where if you believe in conspiracy theories, then you've been lied to. You used to believe in something so fully. You were determined to believe in the status quo and what people have told you since you grew up. Since you grew up? No. <laughs> since you've gotten older. You believe in, in, in things like, oh, the news never lies. Oh, that guy at school, he tells me the truth. Or the, the one where you know what your teacher says. You know, the teacher that used to beat you with a... Well, back in our days, it was either... Some people, it was Mastara. Like a ruler, or a khayzaran, like which is a beat stick, or the belt, the classic one. But in any case, you respected that teacher and you believed a lot of what he said. Mostly because he was scary, but still, it made sense to you. And then one day you find out that him, Baba, Mama, everybody else, nobody knows what they're talking about. Not necessarily. They know as much as you do. And when that realization kicks in, that something you believed in so deeply is not what it turned out to be, it shakes you a little bit. And, and that's what happens when people stop losing, you know, they lose faith in something like CNN or the news in general or anything from like an institution, like a university, a scientist, a doctor, whatever you want to call it. When you start doubting it a little bit, you start to wonder, what else have they lied about? If I caught them, if somebody clips something on YouTube that seems like a blatant lie. A politician or a doctor that was just fucking on Oprah selling something about avocados giving you dick strength. And then you realize, you know, this is bullshit. This is the same avocado bullshit we've heard for years. Salt is good for you. Salt is bad for you. Cholesterol is good for you. Cholesterol is bad for you. I don't, I'm, I'm not quoting that this is what they said. I'm just saying, you know what I mean. Like fitness stuff. Your whole life you've been growing up and they constantly change what they say about research, study, fitness, da 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 And you hear about scientists say this, scientists say that, scientists say this. And it takes a lifetime of actually giving a fuck and researching things yourself on an in-depth level. And I'm talking about peer-reviewed studies. I'm talking about meta-analyses, analyses, analyses, meta-analysis. 
You're talking about different things that they don't teach us how to look into, what I call scientific literacy. And I don't know it that well, but I'm discovering it alongside you and some other people. And I realize that, hey, there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to getting facts. And a lot of times it's confusing. You know, things like, oh, we're doing amazing in, in this island. We've beaten Corona. Look at the U.S. They're failing. But then you remember things and you put it into context when somebody says something like, yeah, but don't forget there's a per capita basis. So 20,000 people infected here when their population is that big isn't like comparing 20,000 to 50 people on an island that is, you know, has a population of 20,000. So all these little details and differences, I, I guess it just makes all the difference in the world to me. And it should to most people, I guess. But, oh, no. Is it back on? Are we okay? God damn it. Are we okay? Stop staring at the screen. Alright, I can't tell. Where did I leave off? See, this is why I can't look at everything at the same time. I got a million things to look at. I'm not staring into this. <laughs> I'm talking about now. I was actually talking to you guys for about a half an hour without realizing that the stream went off. So I'm not sure where we left off at. I'm not sure what I was talking about. Really? At the intro? Fuck me! Okay. Alright, back into it. I'm gonna have to switch to the other screen so I can control the graphics. I don't have a chat inside the the Mac when I'm looking at you guys on YouTube. So I'm just gonna pop out the thing and hope, hopefully I can see what you guys are saying. So if anything does go wrong, I'll have an idea. But generally speaking, why is this doing this? Let me do this. Pop it out. Do do do. Pop this bitch. Come on. Dude. No, fully pop out. Why are you? There we go. No, that's not doing it. Oh, that is stupid. I prefer the Twitch one. Right, I'm, so I'm just going to hope that everything goes well. I'm going to keep my eye on the live uh, signal there. All right, so what I was talking about, guys, uh, whilst you guys were not even listening because <laughs> the stream went to shit, is the fact that I'm going to be talking about a lot of things today. All right, I'm going to be talking about conspiracy theories in the Middle East. Uh, I'm going to be talking about, you know, our relationship to the world, the global population, the uh, political structures that are out there, institutions, why they sometimes lie to us, why there's always been a, a confusing point where we don't even know where the truth is from where the fabrication is. Uh, there is an info war going out, an info war against the nation. And it's based on different agendas, different factions. And what I believe, because I'm going to put a little disclaimer here. This is everything that I believe personally about how conspiracy theories work how it's worked in the Middle East in the past, why we're kind of obsessed with them and we kind of go for the rid ridiculous ones over the ones that make sense. Uh, the fact that a lot of people ridicule conspiracy theorists even though there is a shred of truth to it, there's a precedent, there are some instances where conspiracies are real. Uh, you can take the Gulf of Tonkin incident, 
the uh, Operation Northwards in uh, Cuba, uh, Iran-Contra, that's one that affects us here, uh, Iranian weapons deal leads to money that's traded back in Guatemala by Oliver North, these are all things that happened, the Suez Canal with the Mossad, um, some, some say Sykes-Picot, <laughs> was a conspiracy theory. It was a conspiracy in itself. I mean, not a theory. It actually happened. Um, but yes, there's a lot of things that happen that are real. And as conspiracies tend to be very advanced level thinking, there's a lot of strategy involved, but they tend to be simple. And the objectives and scope of the objectives are usually uh, achievable without there being lizards or lizard people or vultures or dolphins that can track apparently Palestinians and have crossbows on them. We're going to talk about that later. And we're also going to cover the relationship with uh, today's world and how China, North Korea, uh, everything in Southeast Asia has been unfolding, how the news over there has a completely different twist on it and how they've been uh, anti the whole China uh, agenda. We're going to be talking about how the info wars are being waged on every single front possible. It's not just the U.S. that has a narrative out there because it used to be the U.S., the rest of the West, all of them had a narrative of their own that they kind of followed suit on. Uh, because they understood how to play the media game. They understood how to you know, use Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, uh, BBC, any of these news outlets or even private news outlets to kind of move the agenda and the narrative, the conversation of the world in the direction that they wanted. And in the last 10 to 15 years, that's, I'm going to say what, 20 years. I'm going to say in the last 20 years. So let's say inception of Al Jazeera and the fact that Al Jazeera was uh, annoying George W. Bush to the point that, Two Al Jazeera centers got blown up by accident. But in any case, from that point onwards, after the Iraq war, I believe that's when the world changed. And a lot of countries and, and governments and institutions at this point, everybody has their own narrative. If the freaking internet has its own narrative. Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, all of YouTube combined... You look at everything that's out there today and everybody has their own point of view. Some people find themselves in the middle. Some people are trying to stoke your fear, your anxiety. They're trying to get your rage out there so they can make a little bit more money and a little bit more clicks. And everybody has their own personal agenda. And that's why I wanted to dissect conspiracy theories and, and give an idea of why the Middle East has a very simple outlook about it. And usually, usually it's very Western oriented. So all of our conspiracy theories about the coronavirus, for example, it's all directed towards Israel and the, and the UK and America. You're never going to hear anybody in the Arab world complaining about, you know, a Spanish conspiracy against the Arabs. And there's no Portuguese conspiracies against the Arabs. They're Western, they're Christian, but they're just not the ones that fucked with us directly, I'd say. The Belgians fucked with Africa, but we don't have any problems with them. And the same goes with China. That's why I was warning you guys last time about Wuhan, Corona Chan in our Winnie the Flu segment because it, it's a whole different world that we live in now and we as the Middle East ha as the Middle East we have to be aware of the fact that we're playing a game that has a lot of players there's a lot of factions involved it's not just one faction against us we make it so personal but this table this little game of monopoly or risk or whatever it is that you play with your family you get pissed off at at, the, at this point in time there's a lot of players and they're constantly changing sides, you know, and, and we're going to be talking about that. So um, thank you guys for joining me on the stream. 
Uh, <laughs> hopefully it keeps going well. At this point, things seem to be stable. So I'm going to be uh, moving into our first story, but also a big shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for uh, helping out, giving the feedback, sharing it, spreading it, putting out the world out, the word out there. It is a one-man show. So uh, excuse me if the quality is not there, but you can tell from the graphic, the little hidden symbol of the conspiracy theory pyramid over there, that it's going to be a special show. Of course, I have a new, uh, thanks to the feedback from Red and other people, I've, I've kind of redone some of the stuff here. Better lighting. You can see uh, my boy Kenneth. He's wearing the conspiracy theory sleuth hat. So we're going to be dissecting some stuff together and getting your guys' point of view. So if I can't respond to the chat right now, just remember it's because I'm in the console app and one day soon when I have that iPad, when China decides to open up the factories again and Apple starts sending stuff across the world and the world returns to normal, then I'll finally get rid of the stupid buzzing sound and then we can live free and happy again. Right, so let's go into the list of different conspiracies that people are, are accustomed to over the years. You've heard of these before. Uh, you know them, some of them anyway, and I'm going to tell you uh, the ones we're going to be focusing on. So there's a ton out there. Everybody knows about black helicopters, chemtrails, Korean Airlines Flight 007, Malaysia Airlines Flight MH370, Malaysia Airlines Flight MH17, uh, Deepwater Horizon, New Coke. Yeah, that was a conspiracy. Uh, deaths and disappearances, that's a whole other category. Denver Airport is one of my favorites. It's all about hidden dicks and hidden dick symbols. The whole airport is su supposedly designed to look like a cock. Check it out. Just look at go, YouTube, uh, Denver Airport conspiracy theory, cock, and or dick, whatever you're into, and and you'll see how it's been a whole. It, it's phallus obsessed. Like there are people that spend their whole lives just looking for hidden dicks in that airport, as if whoever the architect was or the designer was had intentionally designed and hid hid dicks all over the the freaking airport because you know that helps you conquer the world or just secretly tells people to fuck off but you don't want them to know. I used to say this in a stand-up bit, like what kind of freaking department at the CIA or the NSA was just in charge of that? Just putting dicks into dollar bills, pyramids with slight little dicks on them, George Washington dicks, Denver airport architectural dicks. Why are they doing this? I know graphic designers, by the way. I'm married to one. And I can tell you for a fact that like any other artist or creative person, they like to be known for their work. So if they hid cocks all across an airport, they'd be out there telling everybody about it. Okay, there's no way this is going to stay hidden. I'm off on a tangent here about Denver Airport. Look into it. Uh, of course, you have the classic George Soros, uh, a Jew apparently that worked for the Nazis and then worked again and not figure that one out. I don't know what Ostakil is. And then was my special one, which is going to be the first one. Uh, Israeli animal spying. Do -do -do. Yes. Uh, the zoological section where, you know, Mossad tra trains Aryan, avian, not Aryan, avian birds and other creatures to spy on Middle Easterners. Because that's a thing. Because apparently we don't have drones. They don't have drones. You know, with cameras and spy satellites. No, they had to train attack dolphins. It's a real thing, guys. Uh, well, this is going to be our first intro in it. And I, can I just, I'm going to make a note, okay? Because I want to not really make fun about a lot of uh, conspiracy theories out there and conspiracy theorists, uh, because we're going to be talking about Corona, the 5G conspiracy behind that and some other stuff. And I want to make it very clear that uh, conspiracy theories are in a lot of ways based on some real sense. And if you're talking to somebody that's deep down the rabbit hole to the point that he's no longer a rabbit, and he's fucking around with badgers. 
if you're with somebody that is that conspiratorially minded, and I know a few people, and I enjoy the conversations with them, I have fun talking to them, I, I really like theorizing with them, trying to figure out what the pattern is, and always try to int introduce a little bit of realism to it, you have to understand that they're no different than you and I, okay? And, and I've been that, down that rabbit hole before. I've, I've looked into the Anunnaki alien astronauts and all that other stuff, uh, Zachariah Sitchin. And I can tell you that the, the reality is, is if you've gone, grown up and you had a foundation, let's say you were uh, extremely religious, or you had a, a huge reliance on family, tradition, uh, a dependence on structure in your life, and order, things that make sense, institutions, schools, teachers that would beat the shit out of you, but it would always be right. If you had that kind of a foundational structure that you believed in, and then one day, you know, you realize mama, baba, everybody else that you used to think knew everything, don't really know as much as you do, or don't know more than you do, then you, you start to, to have a little bit of a crack show up in your, in your mind. And you think, oh shit, the world isn't as stable as I thought it was. Or even better yet, how it tends to happen is, you know, you're looking at these institutions and you believe them, you believe them, you believe them. You're like, oh, CNN, this, 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 this. And then one day you catch them lying. Maybe because now we have the internet. Maybe because you can look at YouTube videos and actually see a politician lie in real time. And you can look at somebody, clip that together and compare it to the same politician 10 years ago, contradicting themselves. Or saying one thing one day and a different thing another day. It's all happening right now. People are seeing through these cracks. And what that does to you is it shakes your core, your foundation. So you stop trusting anything. This is the same thing that happens with a lot of people in the Middle East once they leave their religion. Is that if they, if they left Islam or if they're Christian Arabs or anything else. And, and we are Arabs as Arabs. We're very passionate about whatever we get into. We're extremely dogmatic about whatever we get into. You talk to somebody about Warhammer, fucking he's into Warhammer. You talk to somebody about Star Wars, he's fucking into Star Wars, right? And the same thing goes to anything else. So once the cracks show, there's a sudden shock. Your body reacts badly, your brain reacts badly, and you start thinking, you know what, what if everything is a lie? What if this is a lie? What if that's a lie? What if this scientist is a lie? What if the vaccine story is bullshit? Do we really need vaccines? What if this is bullshit? Oh, look, they told me for years to have salt and now salt is bad. Now salt is good again. Is it cholesterol? Is it not? Is fat good? Is fat bad? There's good fat and there's bad fat. Transgen, whatever you want to talk about, everything starts getting confusing. And that's when people start saying, you know, we used to live in a simpler time. No, you used to live in a time where you didn't know any better. That's, that's the honest truth there. We didn't know any better. It's not just you. I didn't know any better. Nobody knew any better. We didn't have the facts. You know, ignorance is bliss in a lot of ways. And I think once you realize the world is a lot more complex and chaotic than we first thought, we start to grow out of that realization. There's a lot of things that can happen. Either you double down on your dogmatic belief and you go, no, 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 no. That can happen. Or you can even just say, you know what? Like I said, everything's bullshit. I make up my own rules. Or you go and swing in the opposite direction. You take a full 180. You know, you were not so religious, suddenly you're religious. You were so religious, now you're not religious. You were so into science, now you're not. You were into Pokemon. I don't know, now you kill yourself. I have no idea, I have no idea what people that were so into Pokemon do. That's the, the mystery. But the point I'm making is that you have to give these people some credit. 
is that they've seen some kind of shock in their life. You know, I've been through it. A lot of people I know have been through it. And that's the reason why we have, I, in my opinion, and like I said, this is me just talking about my experiences, what I've seen, what I believe is out there, especially when I'm talking about the Middle East. I feel like there's a lot of people that have their foundational structure, what they've gone through shaken so badly that now they need another answer. And conspiracy theories kind of fill that hole. The problem is, like what? There's one guy who's a researcher, I can't remember his name. He said, all, all conspiracy theorists are, are amateur historians. People that are trying to link things together and go back in history and make connections and patterns without doing the due diligence, without actually you know doing enough studies, enough research. And at the end of the day, that's what differentiates us from the system that is science, right? There's peer review study, there's other people that challenge your ideas back and forth, challenge your research, challenge how you did a scientific experiment, you know, whether you believe in flat earth or not. If you've seen some of those documentaries, they're really fun, by the way, seeing them try to square a circle, flatten a globe. But in any case, those are, those are some of the, the points I'm making. These, all these scientific illiteracy moments that we all have as human beings, because we just want to play video games. We just want to have fun. We just want to be with our family and our friends. So we don't have time to go and look into all the possibilities about whether or not vaccines are bullshit. All right. But I tend to believe that I'd rather just go with a system that works. And in this system, that is scientific consensus. The one that has kept us going in this direction has a lot of flaws and there's a lot of fuckery that happens. Like right now in the world, there's a lot of fuckery going on with Corona Chan and China. China and all the players on the board, all the factions kind of like trying to struggle to tell us what the truth is. No matter what happens, I believe that science as a system is better than anything else because people are at, at each other's throats. Their incentive is to disprove one another. So it's just a bunch of fuckers that think they know best telling the other fucker that thinks he knows best, that, ah, you fucked up there. And the other guy's, ah, you fucked up there. So this constant competition for who actually has the correct truth might mean that there's a period of time where there is bullshit where science is wrong but at some point or another the truth always rises to the surface because it's the natural conclusion you know whenever it comes to making money at least uh, on a scientific basis not all the time of course it differs by case by case so as i'm saying it doesn't cover everything i'm not doing broad swats and i'm at the end of the day i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about right but Let's switch on to something fun. I've done that little spiel, spiel, the ranting is done. So now we will talk about Israeli zoological conspiracy theories in the Middle East. The fun stuff. Dolphino chan. Right, so if you guys don't know this, there's a whole subgenre of conspiracy theories in the Middle East. This, these ones are the more ridiculous ones. These are not your Operation Northwoods. There's no a false flag operation happening here with the U.S. or Israel or anybody else. There's nobody challenging the Suez Canal, trying to get us into a war. No, no, no. This is solely about Israelis that use animals to spy on people. Because these, uh, these ingenious little spies have an ability to actually confuse us. So this specific dolphin that you're seeing, well, not this one in the picture, but something like it. Uh, I, I think the story was at the time. I'm going to look for this right now. I have the screenshot. Where we go? Here we go. The weirdest ones, all right? So let's go to dolphin. Oh, that's a bird one. There we go, the dolphin one. So uh, an Israeli-made robot dolphin equipped with espionage equipment, including video recording cameras, were 
was captured off the coast of Gaza, uh, which got some people suspicious. That's in Palestine, for those of you that are not in the Middle East. Uh, one news organization suggested it was outfitted with killer arrows because there are other kinds of arrows. I'm assuming some arrows are more lethal than others. I'm not sure. But they say, what became of this aquatic James Bond? Nobody knows. So the idea was that they saw a, a dolphin with equipment, I'm assuming, on it. Maybe like a tracking device, something like a band on the fin. And I'm assuming they thought that because it either had a camera or a transponder or a signal, that it, it was out to get them. Because that's how Israel deals with the rest of the world. By the way, I know what you're thinking, cute dolphin, but these people have a point. Dolphins are assholes, okay? They rape people. They gang rape females, by the way, to impregnate. Look it up. Think dolphins are cute until you find out that fact. Yeah, they're not fun. Just saying. So <laughs> dolphins are one of the ones on the list. There's also sharks. At one point, I think it was Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, that uh, there was a shark attack that happened. And I think the Minister of Tourism in Egypt, if I'm getting my facts straight, there we go, there's it. It's a German tourist in the South Sinai resort of Sharm el-Sheikh was attacked by a shark. Egyptian national TV popularized the theory that the sharks were controlled by Israel. Who let them in? exclaimed Captain Mustafa Ismail, a diver from Sharm el-Sheikh, adding that the sharks that attacked were not native to Egyptian waters. Yeah, we don't have those kinds of sharks here. Those are slippery sharks. They're good with money too. He says, what you have here are rational attempts by a predator to find food. He doesn't sound Egyptian at all, I know, but I'm not even going to go there, right? Marine biologist George Burgis told the BBC the Israeli foreign ministry suggested that maybe Jaws had been watched one, one too many times by the accusers. So, a, a coup, an attempt maybe to uh, disrupt Egyptian tourism with one shark attack. Why the one? And why would, why would you attack a German? Unless... Was a Nazi. Didn't that make sense? In a lot of ways, anyway. But shark attacks, we've got dolphin attacks. Notice, by the way, shark, just one. Doesn't need the crossbows, okay? Lower budget here. Dolphins, you gotta give them crossbows and they're gonna rape you. Birds. You know, I love this part, by the way. Say that you know the saying when there's a bird, there's probably a GPS tracked Mossad controlled agent of avian espionage. There are GPS tags on some pelicans and other fowl roamings, other fowl roaming the skies to keep track of population numbers or to report back to Big Brother about the nefarious doing of Israel's enemies. This one I remember because it was a griffin vulture and they were talking about it in Saudi. I'm gonna get rid of the other one. Get rid of this one. Go, go. You go away. Nobody wants you anymore. Bring back the vulture. Here we go. So, in Saudi, uh, I think it was in Tabuk, northwest Saudi, that somebody had seen a, a griffin or caught a griffin. I don't remember the exact details, but they were talking about how the griffin had a tracker on it and it said the University of Tel Aviv or made in Israel or something of that sense. And they assumed that the griffin vulture was an Israeli spy. Like I said, I don't think it's that easy to train griffins to spy on us. I think it's just easier to use a drone. I think it's cheaper. You know what I think this is? I think when they say you project what you would like to see in the world, I think this is telling us that we want to see falcons. We want our own 
just espionage-based Falcon operations. And I can bet, I'm assuming that we have that military project at one point or another, either Saudi or the UAE or they who shall not be named have had some program or project where they, we tried to train Falcons to drop Molotov cocktails, halal versions, but still Molotov cocktails and maybe some camera equipment. That's for birds. I think there was one in Turkey as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I remember that. Yes, there was uh, a European bee eater who got Turks suspicious that the kestrels uh, were... They, no, it got the Turks suspicious. And then there was also another incident of kestrels that were captured in Hezbollah that they said in 2013 were double ancient birds that were sent by Israel. Also, there was another uh, rumor in Palestine that the Israelis had set loose rats. And they said supernatural rats. Yes. Not typical rats. No, no, no. Sha'awada. Like they actually enchanted rats and got them to attack Palestinians. And they even said, and this is a quote, I remember this. They were so aggressive that even the boldest Palestinian cat was scared of them. The boldest cat. It's, that just tells me that you have a rat problem, bro. I don't, I don't think there's a need for rats. I don't think that's... What is the end game? I, th this is the thing. I think with a lot of these stupid conspiracy theories, the stupid ones, because I'm going to tell you there are real ones, right? These stupid ones that make us look bad, that make the rest of the world laugh at us. They're stupid because you're assuming that somebody's intent is to just simply cause pain. That's it. They're just, they're just there to fuck with us. That's the only goal. But the problem is people forget something. That ever since, I think, you, you, if you take out monarchical power, you take out a monarchy in, in Europe back in the day when they used to wage wars, they would wage unnecessary wars, okay? So a monarchy would go out and be like, you know what, fuck Germany. I'm going to invade Germany. Fuck them. I don't like them. Why, my liege? Because they bought too much salt. And I wanted salt for my porridge. Don't know why there's salt and porridge. Just go with the story, right? Don't be a dick. I want them dead. Yes, my liege. We will invade Germany by the morrow. And then you have a war with Germany. And it doesn't have to make sense. Not one bit. And some fucked up shit can happen. Take their salt and salt the earth with it. And then make their tears salt the earth as well. And then spread porridge all across the land. Doesn't have to make sense. The same thing happens with the religious wars. In religious wars, there's a lot of fervor, a lot of passion involved, a lot of romanticism as well. And therefore, we look at it as a personal thing. And we assume when somebody commits a military action that most of the time, they're doing it out of a place of hate. Right? But that was old war. That was when those fuckers were in control in the West and other places. Then people that cared about money, including Jews, because you say they care about money, they figured out that it's not worth your time to wage unnecessary war. And by that, I mean war that doesn't play any role, any end game, any justification, anything that has a political goal at the end. And that's what military history changed into. Military thinking, espionage, all of this stuff turned into an arm of politics. And that means your actions have to kind of make sense. So look at the, let's say the worst example of, of 
atrocious behavior in a war, right? Let's say scorched earth, Stalin decides that whilst they're retreating back into Moscow, into the, you know, deeper Soviet territories, just burn everything. Don't leave anything to them. Leave nothing to the Nazis. That's a, a hardcore tactic. You know, the, the way they'd be, you know, aggressive towards their own troops. Hardcore commissars executing people for nothing. Just for sneezing the wrong way. Just even just looking back because he didn't even hear the commissar right the first time. It's like, that. what do you want since? Damn. Poof. Gone. All of that means they were doing it for a reason. I need you to do this. I need you to run there. I need you to shoot that. I need you to get that. There's a point to it. Very, it's very rare. And this is usually on an individual level. So on the ground level, you'll see a soldier act in a vicious way, in a meaningless way, in a chaotic way, right? Some stupid shit. Like, he's so angry at you, like Saving Private Ryan style. He beats the shit out of you, and then he decides, you know, I'm going to take this rat that I'm going to make you think is supernatural. I'm going to lock you in a room with it just to fuck with you. That's person on person, right? Nations kind of stop doing that. Just because it just leads to a waste of time and money. Because that's what they care about the most. Money, land, territory, a political agenda, some capitulation. And, and these kinds of tactics, they're out of date. Our conspiracy theories in the Middle East are out of date. They're assuming the same kind of thinking we would do. So if we were in charge, we'd probably try supernatural rats. Maybe not supernatural rats, but we'd definitely roid them up. And just like, get this boy at the gym, huh? Habibi, yalla, the gym, yalla. Rats just working out. Just ready to attack at any point. So that's what I'm saying. These conspiracies are out of date. They don't make any sense. And that's why these ridiculous ones make, make us really look bad and silly. So this is one from Iran. All right. Uh, <laughs> listen to this. Okay, Jewish people have often been accused of being lizards by right-wing radio lunatics, which they are, by the way. Lizard people... It's a lot more believable than this crap. I'm just saying. Okay, I'd believe Jews are lizards, but I'm not going to believe Israel is doing this. I'm believing a lot of people. By the way, I don't think it's just Jews. I think everybody could be a lizard. I don't know. As far as I know, I'm the only person that's not a lizard and the rest of you are lizards. Right? But yeah, how often have uh, Jewish people been accused of enlisting lizards in a mission to spy for them? Well, apparent, apparently Iran's ex-military chief accused Israel of sending lizards to spy on their nuclear program. Apparently the leathery skin of lizards and chameleons attracts atomic waves. Should lizards even be household pets anymore? When they're capable of such crushing levels of global destruction. So the idea here is that, uh, I remember the story, a few journalists were, um, I think they were also, one of them was a researcher. They were really interested in lizards in some reactor or near a reactor, a possible research center, or maybe a nuclear center in Iran. So somewhere they were, they were really close to a military zone. And I think they arrested those people, right? Now, here's where I actually believe that the Iranians might be right, that those are not journalists. They're not biologists posing that they're researching chameleons in Iran. They could have been spies. Maybe they are spies. But this fucker decided to go one extra step. He just said, no, 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 it's not good enough that they're spies. 
what if the lizards are spies too? Because, you know, they couldn't use Geiger counters or whatever it is that they needed through a drone. Like, we, why, why is this even considered believable in any sense? Like, we've seen Western conspiracy theories. We know what they look like. We've experienced them as the Middle East. We understand that they're, they're sometimes, you know, they're sometimes meant to fuck with us, divide us, confuse us, create havoc, you know, but they're not stupid. This is stupid. It's beyond stupid. So those, that's the, the genre. Go look it up. It's a sub a subcategory of uh, uh, conspiracy theories out there called <laughs> zoological Israeli animals. Spies. Zoological Israeli animal spies. Right. So that's that. I'm going to be talking about Corona-chan in a bit. And we're moving on to other stuff. But we're 45 minutes now. And, damn, that took a while. Jesus. All right. Let's do this. Uh, spy dolphin. Get that out of the way. Going into... Where is it? This guy. All right. So, you guys, have you seen this guy? Has he made it to your WhatsApp? Are you familiar with him? This guy's been spread around a couple of times. He's a doctor. Uh, doctor. I looked into his research. Rashid Buttar. Uh, his family immigrated from the UK. He's an osteopath. <laughs> What's your, what is your MMR, bro? <laughs> Who's Nicholas? Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear shit. Honestly, I can. I can't see the chat, guy. Nicholas, you mean my MMR and and Overwatch? What are you talking about? What you talking? No! One of the lights failed. Yeah, I did hit on that. I, you, oh yeah, you guys weren't here for that. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll bring it up now. I'm bringing it up now. All right. So a popular one that Red is talking about is the um, the Coca Cola one. Okay. I don't have the graphic right now. I'll, I'll try to find it for another podcast episode. But there's a very special one with Coca-Cola. And it's the one where they've, they've, they've said that Coca-Cola, the brand, the logo, when reversed, actually says, no Muhammad, no Mecca. And if you look into it, it doesn't fucking say that. One, because you have, you have to kind of connect the logo. You have to connect some letters together for that to happen. So you, you see it, you go look at the Google it right now. No Mecca, no Muhammad, Coca-Cola. And the same image has been like around the Gulf since, I don't know, the 80s. I don't know. I, I don't know how far it's been spreading back, but it looks ancient. It's either ancient or somebody that's really shitty at graphic design. In any case, it doesn't make any sense. And point number one, I'd say, is if you can spot that and it's not in a mirror, then dude, you're freaking drinking. You got some shit going on and that's a mixer for you. You're drunk, boy. Boy. You're drunk. Go home. That's not real. Second of all, uh, and I said this earlier when, when the connection disconnected, uh, in Atlanta in 1886, that's when the logo was designed. That's way before the U.S. even knew where the Middle East was because they were isolationist. They didn't give a fuck about the rest of the world. In 1886, they were still dealing with post-slavery bullshit. So they were still cowboys, I'm assuming. So you're still playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm assuming. I can't. I don't know what the time period is. It's 1800s. That's all I know. It's the late 1800s, and it's way before World War One. So they're not even interested in the rest of the world until World War Two. 
Why would they have an agenda against us in Atlanta? Makes sense, bro. Any case, back to the doctor. The good old doctor here, Batar, Rashid Batar. Uh, he's been around social media, recently been blowing up actually on different interviews. People are trying to get him on, uh, but he's been banned a couple of times on YouTube. Uh, many YouTube channels that still post this uh, video around have been banned. That's why I'm not going to show you the video, even though I have it. But I recommend you guys look it up, see it for yourself. Uh, because the video doesn't actually tell you the history of this guy. And he seemed very familiar to me. I, I was pretty sure I've seen him before. And I'll tell you in a bit where, where I remembered him from. But this guy was making the claim that the coronavirus was actually a, a chimera. So that means a virus that they put together genetically. Uh, this is something that was going around when they first proposed the Wuhan viral lab uh, theory of where the virus came from, which, by the way, I still believe is a valid theory because a lot of people have said, even though I was saying it, as well as so many other people were saying it way before on the radio and other places, that the whole thing was, uh, you know, a possible origin for the virus. And China denied it, of course, then blamed it on the U.S., said that the U.S. actually brought it into China through the army games, which led to one woman actually, uh, this, is a, this is another story altogether, this is a poor woman that was blamed for it, and she's a cyclist, and now everybody's kind of bombarding her on social media, death threats, everything you can think of, because they think she's the source of the uh, Wuhan, Corona-chan, Winnie the Flu virus. And the truth is, nobody knows where it comes from, but there's a whole propaganda war, an info war, being fought by all these different factions to kind of dissuade everybody and make sure they're in control of the narrative. And China wants you to think it's from the U.S. The U.S. wants you to think it's from China. Uh, we seem to think it's from Israel. Because everything is from Israel. Anyway, case. This guy has been saying, of course, that the, um, the virus was designed. For all we know, it could be. It could be a mutated version of the virus that they were playing around with. Uh, I don't know about his story. He's claimed that Fauci... Uh, went past, uh, what, was, what was it called? Uh, what do they call it? Um, not a moratorium. I can't remember what the term is. But basically when you can't do a certain, you can't do certain types of research in, in the U.S. And he says th that they stopped researching these chimera viruses and actually shifted the money, Fauci shifted the money to China back when to uh, continue the research over there. And actually this thing is from the U.S., etc., etc., etc. Now, this guy makes a lot of claims, uh, a lot of bullshit, uh, he's notoriously known for being an anti-vaxxer. He's one of the anti-vaccine people out there. Uh, he's made a lot of claims over the years as an osteopath. And I was trying to remember where this guy was from. I, I remember his name. I remembered him from something. And then it clicked because I did some research and it all made sense. So I'm going to play a video for you guys right now. Do you remember the old days of YouTube? The old YouTube when anything would pop up and be viral? Well, there is this story that aired once. Uh, I'm not sure if it was ABC or something else, but check it out. Desiree Jenkins. This is something from way back when, guys.
next Inside Edition. It is one of the most talked about stories we've ever had on Inside Edition. A young woman who claims she was suffering excruciating symptoms after having a seasonal flu shot. Well, we have an update today on Desiree Jennings. An update that raises just as many questions as before. Her story created a national firestorm. Desiree Jennings is the pretty ambassador for the Washington Redskins cheerleading squad who claimed she developed a rare neurological disorder called dystonia after receiving a seasonal flu shot, causing dramatic spasms and slurred speech. I used to be able to go sideways, but nothing goes now, too. So you used to be able to go sideways? Yeah. What made the story so startling is that her symptoms seemed to disappear when she walked backwards, backwards or ran. Yeah, I can talk now. Back in October, Desiree and her husband told me they worried they'd never find a cure. But look at Desiree now. We found her walking normally, playing with her dogs, going shopping, even getting behind the wheel of a car and driving. Hard to believe the woman we've been discreetly observing over the last few weeks is the same woman we met during the height of the flu shot scare. So we wanted to ask her about her remarkable improvement. We've been trying to reach you and you have not been returning our phone calls. Oh, I'm sorry. What's going on? It looks like you've made a complete recovery. Uh, well, I don't want to say complete recovery. I still have a lot of cognitive, cognitive issues. So what happened? Did Desiree Jennings really suffer a one in a million reaction to the seasonal flu shot, as she says? Or is it all some kind of elaborate hoax? Or is it something else entirely? Take a look at this. It's an official report on Desiree's case by the Centers for Disease Control. It states the admitting neurologist felt that there was a strong psychogenic component to her symptoms. Psychogenic means that there is a mental or psychological cause for her spasms. The dramatic symptoms of movement and speech that, that Ms. Jennings is displaying is certainly not a reaction to the vaccine. Dr. Stephen Novella is an assistant professor of neurology at Yale who treats patients with dystonia, which is what Desiree claims she suffered from after the seasonal flu shot. He hasn't examined Desiree, but is convinced after viewing our video that her affliction is not dystonia. Just from looking at the video, a trained and experienced neurologist could say, this is not dystonia. Desiree finds the idea that her illness is all in her head ridiculous. Some people think it was psychogenic. Some people might even think it's a hoax. I mean, the, the, people are free for, to, to believe whatever they want, but, you know, I mean, clearly what I've been going through, I know it's not psychogenic, and it's not a hoax. I mean, By now, you may have noticed something that surprised us. Desiree is now speaking with a foreign accent she never had before. I'm from Ohio. I should not be talking like this. It sounds like you have an Australian accent. It, it's, yeah, I've heard Australian, British, um, but, you know, it just essentially comes down to the um, inability to pronounce words. There's no way of flu shot can cause someone's accent to change. Absolutely not. So how did Desiree go from this to this? She credited this doctor, an alternative practitioner is. named Rashid Now Buttar. do you remember him? That's him. Dr. Rashid Buttar. Yes, doctor. I remember you. You're a liar. You lie too much. This guy is notoriously a bullshitter. And that video makes him seem like he knows exactly what he's talking about. By the way, I looked into his background. He legitimately was a surgeon for the longest period of time in the U.S. military. Uh, served as a reserve uh, doctor running in the ROTC program. So there's a lot of stuff in his career that was real. Like, that he, he's capable. Studied uh, not only medicine, but also has a degree in theology. 
So the guy is a smart guy, but decided that, you know what, he can't heal people well enough with a scalpel, so he just went into osteopathy and used a lot of this alternative medicine bullshit to cure anything, including what he believed was mercury poisoning from vaccines. So this is the kind of guy you're dealing with that's now going viral, with his video being spread around in the Middle East as if he's an expert on the coronavirus, and, you know, he knows exactly what's happening. He claims he reversed many of her symptoms in less than 48 hours using controversial therapies, including a hyperbaric chamber and intravenous injections of nutrients and synthetic amino acids. She is well on her way to, uh, to being fully recovered. But Buttar has come under fire for his practices. The North Carolina Medical Board claims he engaged in unprofessional conduct for charging cancer patients exorbitant fees for unproven and ineffective treatments. Some of the very same treatments Desiree received. He denies any wrongdoing. Are you concerned that your case has generated so much interest, and in particular, it has politicized the whole issue of vaccines? No, not really. This is what happened to me. We need to point out one other thing. When we first saw Desiree in this shopping center parking lot, she seemed to be walking normally. But as she left to get into her car, she was walking sideways. She says it was because of the dystonia. All right, don't catch me driving because I don't think I'm supposed to be driving. <laughs> Ms. Jennings is no longer seeing the controversial Dr. Buttar, but she did show us a report from her current doctor who believes her symptoms were vaccination-induced. Oh, induced. no. When we come oh, back no, on I'm driving. Oh, woe is me. Right. So there you go. That is uh, the truth behind where you might have remembered Dr. Rashid Buttar from, from the good old days on YouTube where things could actually go viral. I, I was trying to find some of those, uh, so those early days when people played the music to her basically fake spasming and fake seizuring. You know, I know people in my life that have epilepsy and that's just messed up. A lot of stuff. Oh, Dota. That's what you're asking about. Sorry, I'm just looking at the chat right now. You're asking about Dota. Dude, this is from way back when. I haven't played Dota in... How long has it been? How long has it been now? I think the last time I played was four years ago. can't even remember what my memoir was. Damn it. I'll look it up. We'll talk about it some other time. I might actually just do a podcast today where I go from the podcast straight to gaming. I'm setting it up right now. I'm thinking of getting back into Dota. But yes. Oh, raise your volume if you're going to talk with the video. I understand. Will do. Yeah, what I was saying was that's where you remember that guy from. I'm assuming that you heard me quite clearly when I was uh, pausing the video. So that's where Dr. Rashid Buttar was from. He had uh, a background with uh, Jenna McCarthy and a lot of the, the anti-vaxxer movement. And a lot of the um, treatments that he did, the therapies that he did, were actually pretty dangerous. Uh, chelation therapy is considered one of the more dangerous ones out there, especially when it's not used in the correct context. And he was using it willy-nilly. And he almost got his medical degree revoked, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he, I, I guess he argued against it with the board, saying that these people were seeking him out. They came to him. They're coming at him from I don't know how many states. But he was pretty popular especially as a, a alternative medicine guy, you know, 
for all these people that are into it. They could do whatever they want to, but the, the board decided not to revoke his license and instead made it, they wanted to make sure that he makes it very clear that there is no study, there's no research that says that any of the, the treatments that he's using uh, are effective in any way. So, you know, if you want to spend your money on that, go ahead. Just know that, you know, whatever bullshit he's been selling you about how proven this is, is crap. And this guy right now is trying to basically, um, you know, he, he's, he's, let's just say that him and a bunch of others are taking advantage of this Corona Chan state. And you're going to be seeing the anti-vaxxer movement come back because of this moment and because of everybody's hate towards Bill Gates. Yes, people hate Bill Gates again. So the world is right, at least in some way. It seems like we went from hating him for Microsoft and then thinking, oh, Mesquite, you know, we like this guy. He's given all his money to the world. Look at him save Africa. And then he gave uh, kids in Pakistan and tribal children and places all over the world that needed it, that were impoverished, gave them vaccines through the Bill and Gates Foundation. Uh, Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Is that, I think that's the right word. And... Um, People are claiming that, you know, he's been planning this way in advance. He knew what Corona Chan was way before Wuhan and uh, he described it. Now, I, I didn't, I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't look completely into the criticisms against him. Uh, I didn't want to make it the focus of today's conversation. But I can just say that I don't feel like that makes sense because there's a lot of people that were predicting this kind of vi viral you know, spread. A lot of people were talking about this years in advance, people in the CDC, people in the World Health Organization, as uh, compromised as they are to Chinese influence. Still, a lot of people around the world, uh, virologists, everything else, they were talking about it for a long time, that we are not ready for a global pandemic that's serious, a global pandemic that is this infectious. Now, I don't know and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this. I don't know what the end result of all of this will be. There are so many conflicting studies out there. There was a study that recently came out in California, one from USC, one from Stanford. I can't remember what the third one was. But they were talking about how um, a lot of people than they originally thought were actually exposed to the virus. Uh, people that had been showing antibodies in California. So the numbers were massive, like huge. I can't remember, I'm not going to try to even guess off the top of my head. But let's assume, you know, you thought it was this much. And it turns out to be this much, right? We're just going to raise the bar for the amount of people that um, got infected. And what that means is that the, the more people that got infected, uh, with the fatality rate staying as it is, it means that maybe the virus isn't as serious as they thought it was. But this is just guesswork, because a lot of people are criticizing the study, saying, well, you know, you hired people that are you know, not professionals to actually do the testing. And, and, and basically, they were just saying that it hasn't gone through peer review. So it's still not considered legitimate in any way. And until those studies go into peer review and, and everything comes back with a meta-analysis and everything else, then maybe we'll know. But that's what's scary about this thing. The reason why this thing, whether it turns out that it actually is a bullshit flu and doesn't do much and we've been panicking for nothing, it doesn't matter. We needed to panic because we did, well, not panic. We needed to calmly <laughs> lock down, do the social distancing, do everything else and think about it, right? I am not advocating for panic here. YouTube, please don't fuck with me right now. What I'm saying is, when you don't know what something is, and that's exactly what this thing is, something new, novel coronavirus, you don't know what the fuck it does, you just take precautions, you make sure you don't mess around, because maybe this is not the big bomb, and I don't think it's the worst that's coming our way as far as viruses go or pandemics go, 
But I do feel like we needed this test bed, this testing ground. We kind of know now what we could possibly do as a people, as a culture, as internet culture goes as well. We're going to figure out how to communicate with each other, how to study, how to do business, how to run classes, whatever it is. And as governments, they kind of actually can practice now. They've finally taken something seriously when it comes to pandemics. So not really a wasted effort. I am scared shitless about the economy, though. I do feel like I, I don't know what's going to happen on that front. I've asked a few friends of mine that are you know, financial experts, and I'm not even going to pretend I know anything about what's going on with that. I'm not going to comment about oil. I'm not going to comment about any of that other stuff at the moment until we know more. But I will comment about this stupid mask that you've been looking at for the last couple of minutes. That is a 5G mast. That's what the stock photo says anyway. For all I know, it could be 2G. In any case, there's a, a lot of bullshit, a lot of conspiracy theories going on around the world. I'm not sure if it's actually prevalent in the Middle East. It really hasn't been. As far as I know, nobody's been spreading it around. But um, people around Europe, Western Europe and other places have been saying something about, oh, you know, the, the 5G, the corona, this is all part of the plan. Huawei and the rest in China, all of them are using these masks to amplify the corona chan in your bodies. So one theory is that, it, you know, you get the virus and then 5G signals kind of like ramp it up. And depending on whether or not you're in an area that's affected by the signal decides whether or not you're getting the shittiest version of the virus and the one that's going to probably kill you or debilitate you in any way. That's bullshit. I'm not going to get to why, but it's bullshit. And <laughs> I'm going to we're, we're going to figure it out one day. But I'm, I'm going to do a whole episode about that just generally. I saw some basic stuff about it, but generally... It doesn't make any sense because why would you, why would you rely on such a stupid combination when only five countries in the world have 5G at the moment? One of them being Bahrain, by the way. We're way ahead of everybody else in something, finally. And medical. We're in ahead of everybody else as far as containing this bullshit. So yay, Bahrain. Team Bahrain. Uh, so, and we haven't had any serious cases here. And we have 5G. We have, no, not many of us have access to it, but still it's here. So doesn't make sense. That's one side, one, one theory there. The other theory is that it co causes COVID-19, Wuhan-chan, Corona-chan. And that, you know, look at exhibit A for the same idea of why that's bullshit. I don't know why this is spreading. There's something about the world when it comes to cell phone signals. Do, do, do. Uh, Billy G is aiming to become president. Yes, he is. He is. So is Bobby G. But yeah, I don't understand why, like, since the dawn of cell phone technology, we've said that for some reason that it causes shit to us. It causes cancer. It causes some other kind of bullshit. Everything. You remember back in the day when we first had cell phones, like the first transition from beepers cell phones and i was like late by maybe five years compared to everybody else and because my dad and some other people in my family believed in that whole thing you remember it's like don't put it next to your heart for the thobe don't put the phone here because it will affect your heart the signals will corrupt your heart and then you will want some bira some marijuana some other things it will not good for you don't veered into Spanish for some reason and then the other one is like when you are listening here this is why a lot of people used headsets you remember that one it's like they use headsets because they didn't want their phones up here 
you know, because that meant that it wouldn't cause you brain cancer. I think the data's in. I think there's been no increases in brain tumors since phones have been invented. I can guarantee it because I've had people in my family doing this for like hours on end. And yet I'm still scared. I still have a phobia about this one, especially the heart one. I think it's because I'm, I'm guilty on the inside. But that's, that's one of the ones out there. And uh, I feel like people don't realize that these signals are, they're nowhere close. So this is the one they put out there on the, on, on the news. This is the one they show with people on the spectrum of where 5G fits in the electromagnetic spectrum. And you can see that that range, it's not going to show with my hand, but that range, the purple zone, that's where the safety limit is. And that it's no way, not even close to being a threat. So you still have that whole blue side of things, the, the spectrum, the visible light spectrum, that's all safe. That's how big of a buffer we have from 5G. This is even if you don't believe in the whole 5G Corona Chan theory, because they were already talking about how 5G is designed to uh, transmit signals that fuck with our brains. Um, they were talking about how it's spreading cancer, da, 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 all, every, just whatever list you have, check the box. Supernatural rats, whatever you want, it's there. Okay, the theory's out there. The, 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 but the thing that I felt like was, was really weird was that people were uh, talking about them cutting trees to get 5G out there. That's the one that I was actually worried about because I actually saw that happening in London and other places where apparently 5G, the way it spreads the signal, it actually is it really, even though it's much more powerful than 4G, it's easily disrupted by buildings and trees. So they've been cutting down trees. Now, if you have a master fucking plan, a whole global Illuminati whose whole goal is to fuck with your corona and get you to, I don't know, pray to some messed up rat god that is there to give the Zionists everything they want. What's going to take down your master plan is fucking trees. What? So buildings and trees fuck with 5G. Great job. Great plan. So that's one of the things. I actually worry about the one the one theory that might actually be or have some truth in it is that 5G and other cell phone wireless signals all of that that's what fucks with bees i've heard that one before don't quote me on it being real i've not read a single study about this this is just me hearing it through sources on youtube people talking about it from rogan to uh, i think it was jimmy Dore at one point i can't remember who else but a bunch of people were talking about it and I, I couldn't tell, like, it seems like everything's fucking with bees. Maybe bees just want to be fucked with. Maybe bees are just messed up, bro. Maybe they just can't handle shit. Maybe this new generation of bees are just pussies. Back in my days, bees would just go out there and get fucked. They wouldn't mind bears, fires, smoke. It didn't stop them. Today's bee all just takes a little bit of a wireless signal and these pussies fall down. Entire hives collapse. Damn bees. So that's uh, that theory. These are most of the popular ones right now. So I've covered most of the ones that the Middle East seems to be obsessed with. Um, 
I've covered the ones that are related to Corona Chan and the fact that I feel like if, I, if I'm going to sum up this portion of the podcast, I'm going to say that all we need to know for conspiracy theories that make sense to me anyway, we just stop centralizing everything. All right, there's no need to talk about things as if it's one master unifying plan. It doesn't make any sense, all right? There's this whole theory of like globalists wanting to control the world and that they're bringing us all together, forcing us under one world government, the new world order. But that hasn't made sense in the last couple of years, specifically in the last couple of years. Because if you, if you noticed, we've seen stuff like Brexit, Frexit, any of the exits, the US becoming more isolationist again, Trump not wanting to double down on Syria, pulling the troops out, people like basically criticizing him, saying, the Kurds need you. Now, now whatever you believe about with US policy, your stance is your stance, right? But you have to admit that under this specific presidency, there hasn't been as many invading actions. You have to give him that. Hate him. Whatever you feel like about the big brown orange man. Brown orange? Is orange. Whatever. Blonde orange. In any case, however you feel about him, you have to, you have to see that the only foreign kind of action he's done is to say, we're America, America first, we're going to focus on us, fuck the rest of you guys. That's been his agenda, his policy, right? So kind of going back to that isolationist, I don't want to be involved in the rest of the world. You know, here, take the reins. You guys deal with this. You guys deal with that. Um, Saudi, you fight your own wars. That technically started under Obama. But you know what I mean? Like, America has had a lot more of a hands-off approach recently. And they have doubled down with China. China. Economically speaking, at least. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, the world has become less unified. Like, if there is some global new world order that's trying to... You know, the Clintons are trying to bring everybody together. They're trying to bring all the frogs, all the coronaviruses, everything that you've been splicing together with monkey AIDS and the rest. Well, then, hasn't really happened everybody's been just dealing with their own shit. You know, Scotland, a couple of times, had a referendum they wanted to leave. Didn't really, but still. You know what I mean? Like, the, the everybody's been less connected. So, if there's a new world order, it's failed. Miserably. And that's why I think that it, it makes more sense like a video game. It makes more sense if you're comparing it to, let's say, a board game. Let's say you and the rest of your family members. You're spending Ramadan, Ramadan Karim, by the way, I forgot to mention that the other day because uh, we had the, the shutdown on the stream. But you're playing Monopoly or Risk or any other game. And you know that moment where a few of you look at Baba or maybe one of your siblings and you notice that they're winning. They have Mayfair, they have everything else, they have the good spots, the good, the good locations, they're raking in the cash, they've got fucking two hotels. And what you do is, as the person that can see the, the, the devastation that they're causing... One of you is going to see it, and you're going to say, Baba, Ma, everybody, listen up. They're fucking us. There's always that one person that just goes, they're fucking us. You need to stop them. They're, you step on their, their property. You're, don't give them, don't give them the other train. That's why I believe conspiracies are factional. 
So you're trying to get everybody else to gang up on the metaphorical monopoly China. And I think it's the same thing applies with geopolitics. Alliances are constantly shifting. People are constantly changing sides. People are, well, based on their economic intentions, right? Whatever, whoever helps them out more. So if you geographically have a, a let's say, a, a better relationship with somebody else because you share a border. So let's say our relationship with Saudi. We're always going to be allies with Saudi. Not only because we, we share the, the cultural bonds, uh, the uh, societal bonds, the religious bonds, everything else. But we also have a border. We also have goods crossing borders, right? We have a causeway. We have investments back and forth. So we have an interest in our tied unity to their economy. But let's imagine one day, right? and this is all theoretical. I'm not even saying that this is going to happen. Nothing. Please, no, nobody come after me for this, right? I'm just assuming as an example, as a case study, let's say China decides, hey, I'm going to build you a superhighway. Okay, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you seven dragon cities. And they're going to give us oil. They're going to give us tourism. They're going to give us everything else. And we decide, you know what? Our relationship hasn't really been working out too well with the rest of the world, with the U.S. You know, all right, we don't like that so much. We're like, eh. It's like, hey, we have Saudi. That bond is there. But Annie, what have they done for me lately? And China comes in. It's like, hey, you got good jacuzzi, cheap price, cheap toys, five dinar only. And you're like, yeah, okay. I'll, sign, I'll take that. I'll sign on board that. Seems like a good deal. You're going to bring your manufacturing here. You're going to bring, uh, oh, you're going to bring a data center here? Ooh, nice. Now imagine, imagine that happens. Your alliance will slowly shift. When China one day says, you jump, you don't just say how high. You ask them, where? What's our relationship? I think I like you, China. Would you join me for some bat? So I, I think that that's how relationships are in geopolitics. It's all about who has common interests. Now, a lot of people are going to say, yeah, duh. That's common sense, dummy. Yeah, it is for us. But for a lot of people, they look at conspiracy theories as personal. They look at them through their own lenses. They look at them as, you know what? We've always hated Israel. Therefore, we're always going to hate them because things go back all the way to the medieval times. And those kinds of conspiracies, right? You can hate their policy. You can hate their foreign policy. You can hate everything else. But does that mean that things have to not make sense? And you have to rely on these animal Israeli spying conspiracies to make sense? No, you don't have to. So that's my point. Alliances change. Things shift around. There are a lot of players on this board game. A lot. And sometimes even one player is like all the small shitty countries, like Liechtenstein and Luxembourg and all these small shitty states. I'm calling them shitty, but they're actually pretty smart. No offense to anybody from Liechtenstein or however you pronounce it or Luxembourg. I, I, I mean the best. But I'm saying, as somebody who lives in a small country as well, I realize that you're in the same plight as we are. We have to choose our alliances. We have to choose who is beneficial to us, who's been our friend, who understands us. And sometimes smaller states kind of band together and they're like, you know what? We're going to go under this umbrella. We're going to go under NATO because that's where most of our ties, our relationships are at. They're going to pay us foreign aid. They're going to give us this. They're going to give us this. They're going to give us free trade. Now, China is trying to disrupt that. Fair enough. 
If that's what people want at the end of the day, if they decide, you know what, I want a better relationship with China because China's economic policy, China's foreign policy actually isn't that bad. And it's much more up to date than the Western one. Then we're going to shift to that one. It's going to come with its own set of flaws, its own set of bullshit, the unique brand of Chinese propaganda. But at the end of the world, a shift will happen. It always does, right? And then, then for some reason, if you keep blaming Israel or the UK or the States, then you're full of shit. Because the new superpower, the new colonial power, has come from the East. And if you think that the rest of the world, the Western side of the world, the Zionist agenda is shifty, then you don't know how to deal business with the Chinese. They don't have qualms. They, don't, they are, I will do what I need to do to survive. They, they are a population of well over a billion people that just plow through life. And honestly, I can't even say that they're wrong about how they're looking at things. Because in their mind, the world hasn't changed. They look at it like, hey, all of you guys are moving on to your bullshit Western morality and what you consider like smart moves. But we're going to go through our industrial revolution. We're going to do this. Yes, we might be fucking up the planet now, but we've invested in solar powers. Whatever, solar voltaic panels. I can't, the science words spilling out of my mouth. But they have said to themselves, we are doing this because we also want to become a superpower. We want to have our own outlook out there, our own agenda, our own stuff. And your narrative isn't the real one. Don't just, just because you've been there forever, which is not forever, by the way, the U.S. and the Western world hasn't always been in power, especially not the U.S. So in their minds, they're like, bro, we've been around here for thousands of years. We decided we were at the top of our game. And we decided we're going to pull back, that we're not interested. That is literally what they say in China. They say their biggest mistake, and this is where they're self-critical, by the way, and where we are not, and where we in the Middle East need to learn how to be a bit more self-critical about our national outlook and what we want for a foreign policy, and be honest with ourselves, because they are. And they've said in the past, when China was dominant thousands of years ago as an empire, and ruled vast swaths of territory and had ships sailing all across Africa and the Middle East and even to Europe. And they freaking met Romans. They have historical documentation talking about the first Romans they ever met. Well, guess what? China, China decided that, you know what, it's not in their interest. And they closed down under one specific emperor. I can't even remember the, remember, remember the name. But he decided it's not worth China's time. He was not interested in more foreigners showing up in the Forbidden City and other places. They, they don't want our ways. They don't want our influence of their culture. So they decided, hey, we can afford it. We're going to shut down. They shut down. No more interaction with the rest of the world. They don't need it. They're, they're that. Their ecosystem can survive on its own. So they don't need the rest of us. But that meant that they were also out of date. They're not connected to what's happening to the rest of the world. So it means they lose out on innovation as well. Copying. Something they're really good at now, right? That's, that's some overcompensation kicking in. It's like they used to not give a shit about any of our innovation. Now they want all of it. So China has been learning from their mistakes. And we need to decide what we want. Do we want China? Do we want the West? Or do we want to be in power? Because if you're in power, you're going to get the criticism as well.
And people are going to start saying that we're the conspiracy-minded people. We're the ones with the attack dolphins that have arrows and crossbows. Because that makes sense. All right, the last thing I want to get to is Korea. North Korea, to be specific. And the fact that this has been the last thing on the news recently, the, since yesterday, rumors are about in North Korea that uh, Mr. Kim, Mr. Kim has actually been uh, suffering. He's gone under surgical procedures. He's had a, a stunt or shunt or something involved, something basically that is uh, uh, something that was, I'm, I'm guessing, surgically implanted into him, into his body. And they said that, he, and this is where I'm, I'm going like, to go off the cuff here. I know, that, up to this point, I had a plan. That was all supposed to be a plan. Um, they were talking about uh, that, oh, he could be dead. That North Korea is now in a state of turmoil. People are running around, you know, scavenging for food or basically trying to get whatever food they can, um, which has always been the case. That's the one that's least believable to me, and I don't think that's the one that's been reported on the most. The one that has been reported on is the fact that they know that he's in a state of... Uh, uh, of intense medical care. Some say that he's gone through the surgery and that he's fine. Some say that he's resting. What we do know, though, is that he hasn't been showing up to anything. And this is the issue, is that the North Koreans put a lot of emphasis on their leader. I don't know if a lot of you know about North Korea, but they do treat the supreme leader as almost a deity. So their type of state religion revolves around that old school feeling of like, oh, the leader is so good. He played golf and he got holes of one on the first go when he was three years old. He learned how to drive at six. The ho he can speak to horses. And then they tell other horses. And they tell the horses that he's a unicorn. Something like that. In any case, that's not the point. The point is that, they, they, you know, that style, the old school style of propaganda, kind of like a, how we have our own school style of conspiracy theories here. Very ancient style of thinking, that's, that's what they have, but in a different way. And theirs is all about creating this mysteria, this mystique, this power behind the supreme leader. So when he doesn't show up, and he's not there for his grandfather's uh, was it anniversary, or the state, I can't remember what the day is called, but the, the most recent one was basically like a, a, like a serviceman day or a military day. And they usually have parades. And that's the big one. And he did not show up. And we know that states like North Korea, authoritarian, authoritarian states, are all about their parades. It makes all the sense in the world. That's kind of what their economy relies on, is just whenever they want to make sure things are going well, parade time. Just keep moving things along. Keep on trucking along. Nothing's, on. Nothing's wrong. Just keep those uh, doggies moving. It's like countries that have billboards of their leaders. You know, it's not a sign of anything gone bad there. Everything's fine. And he didn't show up twice now. So a lot of people are theorizing, could he be in a critical state? Has he been even affected by the coronavirus? South Korea says he's fine. There are sources uh, apparently within the American intelligence agencies that are saying they're monitoring the situation and they've been keeping an eye on a certain train that was at a facility that he was in. I'm going to try to get the uh, article here. And that the facility is itself... 
uh, like a recreation facility. There's a lot of stuff on there. He's like horseback riding and, you know, he's got the gun range and everything else in that. He hasn't actually moved from that spot. The train itself has not moved. So this is uh, from CNN World. CNN Fake News. A website specializing in North Korean affairs published satellite images on Saturday that researchers said showed a train probably belonging to Kim Jong-un has been parked at a railway station serving Kim's luxurious Wunsan compound on the country's eastern coast since at least April 21st. The presence of the train does not prove DPRK leader is at the Wunsan compound, but does lend weight to reports he is staying in the area. According to the article published by 38 North, which publishes analysis of North Korean affairs and has a project of a think tank, basically. The website reported the station where the train is parked is reserved for use by the Kim family. The Kim family only. Satellite images indicate the train, not present in the area on April 15, arrived sometime before April 21st and continued to be at the location on April 23rd. By April 23rd, the train appeared to be repositioned for departure. So, a lot of facilities, a lot of stuff there, guest houses, recreation centers, uh, it's a port as well, apparently a shooting range, a recreation building, a covered dock, a small runway. It's a lot of shit he has there. Beachfront. Impressive, Kim. So, is he going through critical care? Is he not? It's an issue. I personally believe he's just enjoying his Twitch stream. He's probably killing it at COD. He's probably enjoying that. But in case things aren't going well for Kim... What does that mean for the rest of us? Well, for the longest time, you guys have to understand that North Korea has faced a lot of sanctions. That's the reason they're kind of impoverished. It's because when you're a nation and uh, your economy relies on, you know, basically you trading with other people to survive. So if I have a lot of wheat and you have a lot of grain or whatever it is, uh, we trade and therefore that economic surplus, everything else that goes between us causes prosperity. Yay, right? Now, a lot of countries survive based on that. For example, Bahrain, we don't have a lot of resources, naturally. Farmland, etc., etc. But through trade, through economic uh, decision-making, we've managed to actually be a prosperous economy, right? So far. In any case, Kim and the rest of his kind in North Korea have been uh, facing sanctions for a lot of time, for a long, long time. And these sanctions have meant that they don't basically don't get embargoed. They don't get access to any of the um, organizations in the world. No food, no medical stuff, no, 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 nothing. And that means they have to rely on themselves. And there's a term in Korean that's about self-reliance and basically saying, fuck them, fuck the rest of the world. We're going to do it on our own. We can always go back to our roots. We can always go back to our initial heritage and a survival based off our own means in our land. And it's kind of like the, um, the Arab mentality, you know, when like, Bedoui, you're, you're a Bedouin and you're... Uh, you're in the Middle East and you think, you know what? I, actually, my fathers, my great-great-grandfathers, all of them lived off the land. So basically with dates and yogurt, we can survive. We don't need anything else. Fuck you. All right, we can go back to the desert. I don't need your toilet paper. I don't need your sunscreen. I don't need your... Okay, I need COD. I need, I, need, I need video games. That's maybe it. It's the one thing I don't think we can take back. But still, the point is they have that same kind of mentality and they can kind of, you know, rely on themselves and, and, and live off of the earth and uh, the less, you know, less materialism is possible. So Kim, though, he doesn't follow this uh, agenda. You can tell because he's plus-sized. 
And uh, Kim has had issues with his health for the longest time. I think in 2014, he had another uh, issue with gout. That's the condition where if you eat too much, which was actually a trend in uh, the monarchies in Europe for a while. So basically, you eat so much, you cause yourself to have this condition where you've inflated. Have you ever seen the people with gout that have the long, like, gullets that kind of, like, droop? And also, like, big toes that inflate? And having gout was a sign of, like, wealth. But it's basically a health concern and a condition where you basically die. At some point or another, you die. And uh, it's caused by extreme, obscene levels of indulgence in food and a sedentary lifestyle. So you know he's not taking advantage of that rec center. The boy is not really horseback riding. He's not doing much. Maybe he's playing golf. That's all I know. And uh, if he's been affected with uh, Corona-chan, it means that as somebody with those underlying health concerns, he could actually be facing some serious shit. For all we know, you know, it could be an intentional thing. All I know is that if there is a kind of ongoing soft war or proxy war between China and the rest of the world at the moment, the biggest thing that really annoys China is the North Korean problem. And I call it the North Korean problem because it all goes down to this border between North Korea and China. Right? You can see it right there. And in this border, you can see it's a massive one shared between North Korea and China. And it's the whole reason China props up North Korea. They've actually had to eat shit because of North Korea and have negotiated with the Western powers to deal with North Korea and even for them to join in on the sanctions just to enforce some measure of control over North Korea and the fact that they're so annoying. They're like, they're, it's like China's annoying little brother, right, that they can't control. And that they're like, hey, yeah, 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 you're so communist, you're so communist. Okay, go, go, go to the corner, sit there. Yeah, 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 you're communist. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, don't worry. You, you get Huawei later. You get Huawei later. But at any point, they, they hate them because they're, they're just causing shit and they're, they're like nuclear programs and everything else. It's like you're embarrassing us. Stop embarrassing us. Go sit in your corner. And the reason why they don't want the rest of the world to just take out North Korea is because if North Korea is gone, well, guess where all those refugees go? Up that fucking border. Their only hope is China. And China doesn't want to be dealing with a refugee problem. They don't want to be dealing with the economic uh, collapse and the destabilization of a country right next door. And honestly, I can see the logic here. They wouldn't want Kim Jong-un to go down. Now, if somebody else is planning this, if Corona China has uh, problems or an agenda, then we, we might be facing some a big bullshit in the next couple of months, if this is true. Because uh, the only person that could possibly succeed is his sister. Apparently his brother is a douche. That nobody wants him to be in power. So if it's not his sister, because the military regime decides that, you know, the lineage cannot continue that way. Or maybe they just prop her up, you know, like a fake Daenerys. She's the mother of... I don't know. But what's a, is there a Korean dragon of some kind? I have no idea. The point is, Korea is in a state of concern at the moment. I'm concerned. I don't know what's happening. And if the military regime takes over, it could mean a lot of change in the region. And it's something to look out for and be careful about. What do you guys think? Going into the chat. We're uh, an hour and 34 minutes now in. By my estimates, done. 
So I gotta get get to the 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 chat line and hear you guys out, get some questions, get some conversation going. Sorry for not being as active on the chat as I would be. Try to stay on point on conversation. Also monitor the feed because it did disconnect earlier. For those of you that were not here at the start, the stream disconnected for a while and we couldn't tell that you guys were off. So let's do this. Did it do? Mithruk, how can electromagnetic waves in any way affect something with no cellular, pardon the pun, structure? I don't know, man. Goddamn nanoviruses. You see, Wuhan virus, Corona China, is actually a molecularly deconstructed cell, an organism, organism, organism that's made out of nanotechnology, little robot bitties that go into your bloodstream and convert everything. Kind of like that scene from Prometheus. You know what I mean? But with Chinese people. And the 5G thing changes it. And boom, five days down the line, you get yourself a xenomorph. That's what the Chinese people want. Tioxine says, don't jinx it. Ahmad, it's probably supply train, indulgence in foods rich in uric acid. Shenron. What's a Shenron? Is that, is that a dragon? Is that a Korean dragon? Is that what you're saying? Korea dragon time. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. All right. Guys, I don't see any more questions. If you got them, give it to me. If not, we're going to end the stream right here. Oh, it is an Asian dragon. Right. So uh, just to remind you guys, honestly, thank you for joining us on the stream. I'm going to leave uh, some time for the Q&A if you want it. Um, it has been... What, what, what I got? Do I have announcements? I'm going to be cutting up this um, episode soon enough. going to put it on the Instagrams. Just to let you guys know, if you really want to help out the podcast, because some of you guys have been asking me, how does how do we help? Is it through shares? Is it through anything else? The two things that is basically rocket fuel for the YouTube algorithm is sharing. And more importantly, it's commenting. So if you're watching this after the fact, uh, you enjoyed the video, just leave a comment at the bottom. Uh, if you want to have a discussion, I'll more than, I'm more than willing to have a discussion with you uh, about anything. I've got the time these days. It's going to be all about the podcast. Uh, I am going to be looking into the possibility of Metruk coming by next week. Possibly, possibly an improv session uh, with uh, Metruk and maybe Mike Donovan. We'll find out. It's going to be different topics, different time, fun time. Matruk has been on the chat, as you can see, and he's uh, he's been feeling a bit isolated. He's been feeling like, you know what, the podcast is moving on without him. He's realizing he didn't really add much, that I have to basically carry the whole show because it was, you know, really just me adding a, a guy that was there to do social media and buy time whilst I fix problems. Mikey boy. That's right. So again, uh, don't forget you can follow us on Instagram. That's Bedouin Banter. On Facebook as well. Uh, you can also uh, follow the uh, Twitter feed, the Bedouin Banter as well on Twitter. And uh, on my personal Instagram account, that's KDossy, K-D-O-S-S-Y. And that is it for Conspiracy Theories today. Thank you guys for joining me on the show. It's been a good one. It's been a fun one for me. I'm sweating like a pig right now. 
So uh, I'll be going now, enjoying the rest of my evening, painting shit up and playing Red Dead Redemption. And hopefully by next week, I'm going to have the problem downstairs sorted with my computer. And uh, we're going to be playing some Overwatch. So if you guys want, after a podcast, you can join me on an Overwatch game or anything uh, through Discord. We can chat. So I'm going to be thinking about uh, making a, a Bedouin Banter Discord as well. For you loyal fans, you uh, you people that keep coming back and sharing and letting everybody know that this thing is out there. So we can just have conversations. You can ask me about stuff. You can suggest stuff. Let me know what topics you want me to cover, what things you'd like to see, what kind of guests you'd like to have on the podcast. We're very limited with the type of guests we have nowadays, but I have been looking into the possibility of getting Skype sorted out, and I think I've figured it out finally. And I think there is a solution for it. So just give me your recommendations and your honest help, and we'll see what we can do. All right, guys, this has been the Bedouin Banter Podcast with Mikhail Dosri. And you guys, you awesome Bedouins out there, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Bye-bye.